The Guardian, live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Thank you very much for downloading The Guardian live at the Festival podcast. I'm Miles Jupp. Uh, I've just stepped off stage uh, and immediately come outside to the backstage area behind the Gilded Balloon uh, where there are wood oven pizza vans and uh, burgers and juices and that sort of thing. Very, very festival atmosphere. Uh, we've had a terrific show today. We were joined by Kevin Bridges, Justin Morehouse, Jason Byrne, Zoe Lyons, Daniel Schloss and the cast of A-Team the Musical. My first guest uh, recently appeared alongside Eric Cantona in the Ken Loach film, Looking for Eric. Uh, he's also appeared in Phoenix Nights, Shameless, and incredibly, The Charlotte Church Show. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Justin Morehouse. <laughs> you, uh, are you comfy there? I'm very comfortable, thank you. <laughs> Good morning. Uh, morning. morning. Uh, how, how are you, Justin? I have to say, I'm, I'm a little bit out of sorts this morning. Uh, I had a bit of a late night, and... Uh, I, I don't really drink that much, but I, I had a... This is true, true, true. I had a horrific fringe experience. I mean, lots of things can go wrong when you're performing at fringe. The first thing is, you know, be, there are people for Edinburgh, thank you for charging £5,000 for a room for three and a half weeks. And, um, and then there are other things you have to avoid, you know, people flying you for your own show and things like that, because that can be embarrassing. Your agent heckling you in the middle of a gig. <laughs> Nothing can prepare you, though, for the moment where you're at a urinal and uh, doing what comes natural, and as you look down, you're actually urinating on your own face. <laughs> because somebody's been given a flyer for your show and abandoned it with such venom into the bottom of the urinal, and you look down, and I'm actually peeing on my own face. <laughs> And the worst bit is somebody, some guy came in, stood next to me, and all the gentlemen will know this, when you, when you stand next to somebody at urinal, you're looking anywhere but, aren't you? And he looks down to see me tinkling on my own flyer, and then looks and sees my face and thinks I'm the weirdest sexual <laughs> fetish. <laughs> but because I'm such a self-publicist, I actually manoeuvred the pineapple chunk out of the way so he could see what time I was on. <laughs> <laughs> One more ticket, it could make the difference. Uh, now, this year your show is called Seven. It uh, is. It's on every night at the Pleasance, uh, Pleasance Dome. Uh, now, is it going well? Uh, um, is this being recorded? It is, but... I'll you give can... you two options. It's going fantastically. Oh, I'm having a nightmare. Right. Because you can ask me every other minute. That's the truth, isn't it? Yeah. I'm enjoying it. I go on stage and I try and make people laugh for an hour, and that's what I do. You, you, you know me. You know that I'm not, you know, intelligent. Um... <laughs> endearing or, you know, whimsical. But, no, it's just jokes. And I talk... The idea is there are seven... Uh, there are only seven stories in the world. That's the idea. And that made me think, why has there been 17 series of two pints of lager and a packet of... Crisp? <laughs> <laughs> but there are just seven... <laughs> seven, six, seven stories, and I talk about them and the tragedy and comedy and rags to riches, and we have some fun, and, and there's a costume change. And, um, yeah, and, and, you know... Cos... Oh, I thought it was applause. It wasn't. It was just drink, drinking. <laughs> it's slightly weird because the, you can't see this if you're at the back, but the entire front row is taken up by the cast of the A-Team. <laughs> um, really? Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Because, I mean, obviously, I've never, I wasn't around in Vietnam, but I thought I was having an 80s flashback. <laughs> <laughs> that might be my own personal Nam flashback when I'd just seen the A-Team. <laughs> How did you get it? You didn't fly, did you, obviously? <laughs> Guess which one I'm talking to if you listen to the podcast. Face. No. Uh, <laughs> Justin, you're, it's called it's called Seven. It's about seven stories then, but you've also, on the poster, you're dressed in a sort of pantomime uh, outfit. I'm dressed in an actual uh, official Disney Snow White costume. 
It's a size 18. It's an official <laughs> Disney one. And, and, and I bought it and I couldn't believe it. And I imported it from America. How fat are those American children, really? <laughs> Do you, I mean, genuinely, you've got a problem if your child is a size 18 and she still wants to dress up like she's ever going to a party. <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy you the dress, but you're not leaving the house, are you? <laughs> it's a genuine dress, and I, and I love it. But the thing is, I've got a four-year-old daughter who's got the identical dress as well. And when she wears that, when anybody's round our house, she goes, my daddy's got one of these. <laughs> <laughs> and we have to say, so we have to go, no, no, it's not for that, it's not for that. And they go, yeah, of course it is. I think I had to squeeze into it, because it's quite funny, because you never know what size you're going to be. I asked somebody what, you know, what size I would be, a, a, a woman, a lady, a person, a girl. And um, I said, I don't know what size I'd be if I was female. I said, would I be 18, 20, 22? And she just went, no, you'd have to make your own. <laughs> well, you look, you look rather fetching in it, if I may say. Thank if, you very if, much. If... I am, I'm a big lad. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm fat. And uh, there's always different ways of saying you're fat, isn't there? You know, I, I, I wanted to say this as well. I, I, when, when, you're, when you're fat, it's your own fault. You know, you're not disabled. You know, don't feel sorry for fat people. It's our own fault. We just eat and eat and eat and eat. But, some, but please try and make life easy for us, because we are quite lazy. I am sick to death of when I'm looking for double XL clothes, having to go to the back of the rack. <laughs> you skinny, good-looking people. All yours is at the front. Shall I have medium? Shall I have small? I don't know. Mine, double XL, right at the back. Look how short and fat my arms are. I'm trying to get to the back. I'm sweating like Michael Jackson's cardiologist. I'm leaning over. <laughs> I'm trying to get back. Do you know how far back my clothes were that I bought the other day? Made in Narnia. That's how far they were. <laughs> but you've, uh, you've done some genre straddling. You were recently in the film uh, uh, Looking for Eric, the Ken Loach film. How was that? Yeah, it was brilliant. I don't know if anybody's seen it. I, it was, I, I genuinely don't know if anybody's seen it. I'm not... <laughs> no, it was great. It was a good film. I worked with uh, Eric Cantonari, who's my hero. I mean, I got a part in a Ken Loach film, which, which is great, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then, and then uh, Ken... Uh, Ken... Ken phoned me, <laughs> and he said, uh, before we started filming, he said, uh, listen, can you keep a secret? And I thought, oh, he's going to tell me he's been a, a, a Tory all his life. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a huge house in the Dodoin. This uh, shambolic socialist look really does well for me. And um, I said, yeah. He said, Eric Cantona's going to be in the film. And I went, oh. And he went, can you come in and do some improv with Eric? And I went... Oh, go on then. Because I'm of an age and I'm a Manchester United fan and he's, he's a, genuinely one of my heroes, definitely the top five. And, and we did this uh, improvisation with, with Eric Cantor and I was just you know, sat around a table. And all the time I just kept thinking, that's, that's, it, it, if every, everybody's got a turn to guy, haven't they? You know what I mean? He'd be mine, definitely. I'd leave the wife, the kids. He's gorgeous. He's perfect. He's French. He's, he's good-looking. He can play football. And he's great. And we finished doing the improv, and he was having a little chat, and he pushed a tray of biscuits towards me. And he went, Justine, would you like a jamais d'argent? <laughs> LAUGHTER <laughs> And I went, Yes, thank you, Eric. <laughs> I've still got that biscuit. <laughs> that sometimes I turn to. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, do please get along to see Justin. He's at the Pleasance every night at 9.40. Ladies and gentlemen, Justin Morehouse! Very much. <laughs> Thank you.
Before we bring on our next guest for a chat, uh, we're going to have some stand-up from a charming young lady. Her show, Miss McKismo, is on every night at the Pleasance Courtyard at 8.30. She won the Funny Woman Award in 2004, and last year, according to Dave TV, she told the best joke on the fringe. Please welcome Zoe Lyons! Morning. Good morning, people. Feels like a lecture. Hello, hello. This is nice, isn't it? Look at this sophisticated little crowd. This is not like the crowd I was looking at. Last night when I was wandering the streets of Edinburgh very late, I saw two drunk teenagers sitting on a bench abusing tourists as they walked the pie. It was very nice. Just shouting at you bastard, you tourist, you bastard. Look at you, you bastard. And then at one point, one of the kids threw down his empty can of cider and his friend went, Robert, no. We're binge drinkers, but we're no litter bugs. Well, that's beautifully, beautifully British in its approach, isn't it? I love that. I lo I'm so British sometimes, I don't even use my car horn in case it's interpreted too aggressively. I don't know whether you found this about yourselves. I always find when you hear a car horn in this country, it does sound like this kicking off point for a road rage incident, doesn't it? It always does, you know, you bastard, move, come on, come on, move, you know. I love it when you go to Spain or Italy or France, people use their car horns as part of their street language, as part of their dance of life, don't they? Do, 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 do. I love you, I kill you, I kiss you, I fuck you, let's eat. It's lovely. Over here, it's, uh, it's so aggressive. I think I need a British car horn for my British car. I need a British car horn that just goes... <coughs> I'm so sorry, it's just the lights have changed. No, no, about five minutes ago. Was that overly aggressive? I'm so sorry. I envy the Europeans, their passion for things like that. I envy their passion for food as well. I love to eat. Somehow, somehow nowadays it's deemed unladylike to like to eat. Let me tell you people, I love to eat. I love women who eat. Mama Cass, hero of mine, died choking on a sandwich. That's what I like. Well, actually, she had a heart attack in her sleep, but I bet there were crumbs in the bed. There were. I love to eat. Oh, my God, I eat so much. It's only stress that keeps me thin. That's it. That is it. I don't care how many calories a swim burns off. I want to know if I can have a Mars bar after a panic attack. That's the way I approach food. I don't know if anybody else does this. I eat so much, probably twice a week, it physically hurts. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, we do it, don't we? I don't know why we do it. We're, we're an intelligent species, but we do it. We do it. You'd never stick your nipple in a car door. Well, you know, that would hurt. You'd never lick a, a hot hob, you know? you think, well, that will hurt. But at least twice a week, I will eat so much, I think, oh, my God, I have hurted myself. <laughs> I've hurted myself with food. That's what I've done. I didn't need that second chicken. I really didn't. <laughs> but I wanted it. I, I, I'm going to have to do some exercise to shift some of this food I have consumed. I am going to have to walk to the quality street, literally, to shift some food. You know, I love my food. Sometimes it dawns on me that the food I'm eating has had a slightly better life than I have. Do you ever get that feeling? I don't know whether you've ever read the side of a smoothie bottle. Oh, shit, they write on the side of those smoothie bottles. Do you ever pick up a smoothie bottle and look at it and go, do you know, I think this drink is happier than I am. <laughs> Hi, I'm your smoothie. You think confident little bugger, isn't it? I've been lovingly nurtured by cool, two cool dudes who gave up their hedge fund jobs in their 30 to develop superfoods like me. It will good for you. I'm sorry, but I find life competitive enough without being undermined by a bottle of pureed berries before breakfast. I'm the sort of person who will walk around a graveyard just to give myself a brief sense of one-upmanship. <laughs> Do it, it's fun. You walk around going, Margaret, dead in 1859. Beecher, come on. <laughs> All of my berries have been responsibly sourced. You think, well, I hope so. I'd hate an irresponsibly sourced berry, wouldn't you? Who wants a smoothie? I found some berries up this dead tramp's ass. No, I don't. No. And 
I don't want to be told what to eat by some long-haired hippie who lives in a cottage near a river. That's the last thing I want to be told what to eat. Hugh Fernley witting stool, you can go shove it up your backside as far as I'm concerned. Pretentious little prat, what do you mean you've never tried squirrel tripe? It's an incredibly rich source of smugness. <laughs> Folks, thank you for listening. I've been Zoe. Enjoy the rest of your festival. Cheers. My second guest today has been described as comic nitroglycerin, which I believe is a good thing. His show is called The Byrne Supremacy. It's on every night at the Assembly at the Assembly Hall. It's only Jason Byrne! Oh, God, I'm so depressed. <laughs> no, I just, that's not a big, like, everybody's been in pantomimes. I've never got to be in a pantomime. Have you never known? Never no, I've already been, only been in school plays. That was it. I was a tree in, in actually Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. A tree with glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and we were given twigs to hold and we were painted green. And then Snow White had to walk through us like the ugly kids in the, in the school. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then my second part in the play was a centurion. And I had to go up in the middle of a church and say that we were looking for Jesus and give us a shout, you find him. <laughs> That, that, that was my speech. <laughs> I had a job dressed as a centurion. Did uh, you? Yeah, yeah, it was in Wishaw in Lanarkshire. I was uh, promoting the Viva Italian Delicatessen range. In, uh... Wow. Did you have... I, I had to dress up as, um, as an M&M for 50 quid once. Really? Yeah. As a bet or for a job? Or for... No, it was a job, 50 quid for the day at a race course, dressed up as an M&M. Where was that? At a race course. <laughs> Do you have them? Um, Is that... I own a racehorse, but I don't really know what that means. Um, uh, <laughs> I, I, I love your hierarchy. It's brilliant. Sorry. I've never, I've only ever been really dog racing. That's hilarious. I once went dog racing and watched watched two of the dogs run straight into the, not turn a corner and just run straight. Because <laughs> they run so fast, the two of them just missed it completely and just went into the hoarding. <laughs> and sorry, I know that's pretty cruel. Like with the Guardian readers again. Sorry, I do apologise. But my God, there's nothing funnier than seeing two dogs go and smash into a hoarding and then kind of stand up and shake their heads and wonder where the hell they are. Uh, your show, it's called The Burn Supremacy. Normally, yes. you've, you've, had, you've had a lot of rhyming titles. Yeah, yeah. Life. I mean, well, I see, I call my DVD The Burn Identity and then I have a TV show in Ireland called The Burn Ultimatum. So then I just went, oh, I was going to call this The Burn Supremacy. And yeah, and I have had kind of animal names in the past. So this one kind of fell together by accident. I was just hoping that, because it's on those, the, those movies, you know, The Burn... Burn yes, I've, I've heard of them, yes. Yes, yes. So it's... Because he's, he's called Jason Bourne, but that's how Americans pronounce my name. So I just went, I'll have that. Uh, do you have any, I mean, are there any actual references to the, to the trilogy in there? No, none. No. <laughs> and actually, I have a backdrop of me kind of dressed as kind of a James Bondy, even though he's not a James Bondy, but he's kind of an agent that runs around. But, uh, and, and I've even got spotlights and James Bond music playing. And then I start my show and the whole show ends. And people go, well, what's that got to do with James Bond or anything? And I go, well, I don't know, because I was asked to name my show in March and I didn't have one. The one newspaper described you as like watching Ronaldinho play for Barcelona. Do you do you watch football? No, I don't. Just, I mean, I so you don't know what that means. No, I don't. I don't even know if he does play for Barcelona. I want. I wonder if it was a sort of criticism. I think Ronaldinho still does, does he? Watching Jason Byrne play, uh, do stand-up comedy is like watching Peter Mandelson putting up shelves. It's more like that, actually. <laughs> it's way more like Peter Mandelson putting up shelves. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's mad. Like, I think that journalists just, they just say these things. I was once de described as Spike Milligan uh, in a shed with a wasp or something. <laughs> Which was just the oddest thing ever. As if somebody had researched that. 
and had seen Spike Milligan in a shed with a wasp before and went, that's very like Jason Byrne. <laughs> I dreamt mean? up that analogy years ago. Oh, I've been longing to use the Spike Milligan. Yeah. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Jason Byrne. Thanks, thanks. As a very young comedian myself, the youthfulness of my next guest is frankly terrifying. He's here to entertain us with a short extract of his stand-up show called Teenage Kicks. Please welcome Daniel Schloss! Hello. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for that genuinely fantastic reaction of, way. oh, it's a child. <laughs> that was, that was beautiful. Uh, lots of you now just sort of staring at me going, oh my God, it's the kid from Home Alone. Uh, <laughs> It's not. Um, how are you all doing? You well? Yeah. Good. Uh, my name's Diana Sloss. Uh, I'm an 18-year-old. I'm a teenager from Scotland. Uh, I was born in England, but I do consider myself Scottish because my mum's an alcoholic and my dad's clinically obese, so... <laughs> it kind of works out that way. Uh, I'm also I'm a teenager from Fife as well, so my opinions may differ from other teenagers in the world. Because uh, as you may or may not know, Fife is the incest capital of Scotland, uh, which is fun. Uh, I have a girlfriend, though, who I love. Uh, I have to. She's my sister. And um, <laughs> she's not. Don't worry. Uh, my, <laughs> my girlfriend. She's very, very smart girl. Uh, lots of you. Sorry, staring at me. Going, oh, can't be that fucking smart. But she is. Uh, she's she's studying law at Edinburgh University, and I'm doing this. Ha, ha. Now I'm a disappointment to two sets of parents. <laughs> I think as being young, though, I'm somewhat limited in my material. You know, I can't do the stuff that older comedians can do when they come on stage and brag about having sex with women half their age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 18. Uh, that tends to be frowned upon. Uh, not in Fife, but for Edinburgh, I have to <laughs> up it a little bit. <laughs> Is, I'm, I'm 19, so now I'm 19 in September, uh, September the 11th to be precise. Yeah, exactly. Now, that's what I don't like, right? That's the standard reaction. When's your birthday? September the 11th. <gasps> I didn't fucking do it. <laughs> Jeez. It's not like my uncle came up to me and said, what do you want for your birthday? And I went, oh, I don't know, surprise me. Oh. It's got a crazy sense of humour, that Uncle Osama. No! I'm still, I'm still living at home with my parents, so I love, I love my parents. Well, my mum, not my dad. Uh, we, have, uh, we clash a little bit, I think mainly because he's a dick. And uh, I, I love messing around with them. I do love messing around. I mean that in a family way, not in the Fife way, obviously. Uh, the best thing, I've got two little brothers who are like uh, six and nine or t I don't care, uh, they're little. Um, whenever we go on a family trip uh, and my dad gets to do the, the metal detector machine, as soon as he starts taking off his belt, me and my brothers go, no dad, I'm sorry. It's fantastic. <laughs> but there, I, I can justify doing all this stuff uh, to my dad because he, He's a weird, he did the dad thing a while ago, you know, the talk. Now, that in itself is quite traumatising. But he came up to me and he said, son, we need to talk. And I thought, oh God, it's the sex talk. But it wasn't the sex talk. It was the shaving talk. Yeah, now, I know what you're thinking. Daniel, the shaving talk does sound a lot better than the sex talk. Well, it would be. 
but not when your dad neglects to tell you it's the shaving talk. So he starts talking about shaving. I think he's talking about sex. <laughs> Imagine this from my point of view. Son, there comes a special time in every man's life. You may have already started doing it. I doubt it, I can tell from your face. <laughs> oh, you wanker. <laughs> now, the first time you do it, you're gonna be clumsy. You're not gonna know what to do. You're gonna do things wrong, okay? There will be a little bit of blood. Don't worry, that's fine. <laughs> that's normal. Your mum can show you a neat trick with some rolled up toilet paper. <laughs> He goes on, he goes, now after a while, you learn the ins, the outs, the ups and the downs. <laughs> You're gonna learn how to shortcut it, never shortcut it. I tried to shortcut it once and your mum claimed I gave her a rash. <laughs> <sighs> this is the worst birthday ever. <laughs> he goes, now the first time you do it, you're gonna be really proud. Gonna go home and tell your friends every single insignificant detail. But I'm not gonna lie to you, as you get older, it becomes more of a chore, really. <laughs> <sighs> I start looking forward to the weekends when I get a few days off at home. <laughs> Try explaining that to your mother. Um, I bought something electric once to speed the whole process up. Getter was done as quickly as possible, but batteries were costing a fortune, so I had to go back to the good old days of doing it by hand, manually, in the shower. And... And that was when I passed out. When I came to, my mum was there mopping my brow, and she said, don't worry, son. The first time you do it, I'll be watching over your shoulder. <laughs> stroke by stroke. Uh, <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you've been absolutely fantastic. I've been Dinah Sloss. Enjoy the rest of your day. Cheers. Still to come on the show today, we've got A-Team the Musical. But before that, we have a comedian described in The Guardian as Scotland's young prodigy. His show is called An Hour to Sing for Your Soul. Ladies and gentlemen, Kevin Bridges! Now, have, you, have you two met before? Yeah, no, Jason? yeah. Oh. yeah I seen Kevin when he was very new. Right. And he was very funny then. Not like a baby. Yeah. <laughs> but he was very funny then. What, what age actually are you, Kevin? You're I'm 22. 22. So is when that we... still young? I think that's jolly young. Yeah, yeah. Jolly young? What the fuck is that? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Kevin, your, your show, it was one of the very first shows to sell out this year. Total sellout long before the festival started. That's right, and it's quite impressive until people see the size of the room. It holds like nine people. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, it's... We'd so which room are you in? I'm in the Pleasance Joker Dome, which I think is somebody's cupboard at Edinburgh University. I think I'm, I'm in the janitor's office. But I still sold it out, man. Now, a lot of people think they've seen on the, the Michael McIntyre roadshow. Yeah, yeah. So you know, a lot of people just came along after they've seen that. But there's still a lot of people, like, after the show, they'll say, You've seen, I've seen you before. And you go, All right, was it the, the Michael McIntyre show? But about three years ago, I've done a gig in Shorts Prison. <laughs> <laughs> and after one of the shows, a guy said, oh, I've seen you before, pal. And I said, all right, was it on the Michael McIntyre show? No, no, I've seen you in the jail. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was remember, I'd done, the, I'd done this routine in prison about how, like, people get life in prison for murder. 
but you get six or seven years for attempted murder. And why should it be different? No, you still tried it. No. <laughs> I don't think you should get a lesser sentence because you made an arse of it. <laughs> <laughs> Just tailored my set for the jail there. And there was people in tables like, pointing over at their mates going, oh, that's you, you made an arse of it. And they're having... <laughs> I brought a lot of harmony amongst the psychopaths. <laughs> So do you know, do you know what, uh, what he'd been in for, your audience member? What he'd been in for? No, it's yeah. not that as a compare, I know you're on at the start, you see what you do for a living, but in the jail it's like, so what are you in for? So it's that kind of, you don't really know what to ask the guy. So I never really, I was trying to like clutch in reverse, get away from the guy. So I never spent too much time small talk with a guy. Do you know, I've, I've never been booked to play a prison. They'd love you, Miles. Would they? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they'd want you to stay overnight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a 14-year encore. <laughs> more, more. And I'll put a word in, Miles. Now, uh, how, are you, how are you finding the Edinburgh Festival generally? I'm enjoying it. I love coming through. I love the tourists. And all that. I love the Do Americans you? up at the castle. Every you see the Yanks up at Edinburgh Castle thinking it's a high school. Because <laughs> they hear gunshots every lunchtime. <laughs> 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 no, but it's good. I love the. I like the whole feel. I'm travelling through from Glasgow every day. Oh so really? How, how's gonna, that? It's quite good. It's just people. People say, "Oh, you must be knackered," but it's only fifty minutes sitting on a train, listening to your iPod, read the Times. <laughs> I'm only joking, the Guardian. I read the Guardian. You always feel like you get that kind of air of superiority when you buy a Guardian, don't you? Always tuck it under your armpit. And you, you enjoy using the word uh, Yaldi? Yaldi. That's yeah. my Facebook sign-off. Yaldi. What, um, that, what does that even mean? I don't know. It's a kind of... Like a yee-haw. Kind of, I heard some guy saying after something good, he won money in the bookies, I think. And he was telling his mate the story. He won 120 quid. And he said, and I was like that, Yaldi. And I just thought... Yaldi. I was clearly lost on a Guardian audience, but Miles, I mean, you put me on the spot there. And if this oh. was a, a daily sport podcast, it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Has anybody been to see Ben Dover's show, The Porn Star? He's got a show. Have you seen it? I've not seen it, I'm asking. Have you seen it? No, no. Come I'm on, just wondering, like, Ben Dover, no, as a porn star, doing a solo show, if he gets the kind of <laughs> egomaniac thing to find his reviews online when he types in his name at Google, <laughs> like how many pages he needs to go through before he finds his four-star review in the Metro. <laughs> <laughs> pages and pages of porn. Four stars, yaldy. Um, <laughs> is that the correct usage, Kevin? Getting there. It just sounds great in that accent. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. <laughs> Kevin Bridges. Thank you very much to all my guests today on the podcast, Justin Morehouse, Jason Byrne, Kevin Bridges, Zoe Lyons and Daniel Schloss. Do what you can to see their shows. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to prison for a crime they didn't commit. Well, they escaped and set their story to music. They're performing it every day right here at the Gilded Balloon at 5.30. Please welcome A-Team the Musical! <laughs> Miss Roberts, why don't you tell us the problems you've been having? Well... 
Five years ago, a man named Action Jackson moved to Hill Rock and took over the whole town. He uses his two sons as heavies, and they demand protection money from me, my local store, and all the other businesses. It looks like you've just... Hired the A-Team! Stop taking my best lines, you presumptuous little victim! <laughs> Live at the Edinburgh Festival 2009. Thanks very much for listening. We're back tomorrow with Hardeep Singh Kohli and Four Puffs and a Piano. Bye-bye.